Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. I'm going to say three words. Don't get excited. Ready? Don't get too excited. Who said that? See, Craig, that's why you're a good man. You're prophetic. Come on, Troy. Don't get excited. I'm not done. Look, he even come up the middle. All right. I, I, I just need your, got your mic. I, I need your professional expert help. All right, now I just want them to, first of all, to show them your credentials. What's this called? Computer? Woo! Huh? MacBook? Can you use, okay, listen, you're, you're doing really good. Could you put the mic up to your mouth? Okay. I mean, you know, like you should know, put the mic up to your mouth. That's a, that's a MacBook Pro. It's a MacBook Pro computer. 13-inch MacBook Pro computer. Okay. All right, now, okay, what are these little gizmos right there? Those, those are USB-C ports. USB? USB-C ports. USB-C ports. Okay? I know you can't see them, but I'm just going to show you two. All right? What do you do with those? They're used for a variety of things, such as power, adapters, uh, video, external video, or SD cards, and just a variety of connections. You know what really stinks, Troy? There's not a USB port on the computer. Now, you have to get this, like, fancy This is thing. USB. This is yeah, new USB. USB. Yeah, yeah, but it's it don't the, have one. So you're old, you're, you're, you know, old school. Uh-huh. That is USB. Yeah. It's just the new USB. I see. I like the old one better. It's kind of like the new pages. I can't right-click. Okay? <laughs> but anyhow. All right. So, so, so anyhow, so that's where I get all that stuff, right? Yes. Did you know? Probably. <laughs> Did you know? That they're on the other side too? I did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you know on this side? Do you know on this setup there's no place to put like headphone jack? There is not. Did you know on this side there is? I did. <laughs> did you know there's like two more of those USB C ports on that there side? Is. There's four altogether. When did I get this computer? Was it sometime in the spring, like March or May, April, May? Sometime? It was just a little bit after you left your other one out in the well, rain. It was after I left the other one out in yeah. the rain, yes. When I left the other one out in the rain on the deck, I, I got this one. Yes. Do you know I've been using that? I think it was probably April or May, roughly in there. And uh, since April or May, I've been using this thing. Yes. What's this? This is December. Yes, it is. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of this week. I text you, Mm -hmm. and I text Karen. I said, you know, I just realized that there are two more ports on this side of the computer. Months and months and months. Well, see, I know. But see, every computer I've ever had has them over here. Yes. There aren't any over here. There are, there are some over Not there. Mine. They're different. Not mine. It's my story. Okay? Yes. And so for months and months and months, I have been operating as if there's only one side of the equation. One side. So the other day, I actually changed the office in my house, and I made sure that I put my computer plug over here. Because the ports are over here. Do you know I have an outlet over here? It's much shorter. That I can plug into this side? Yeah. You know what I realized this morning? 6.30 this morning, you know what I realized? What's that? There's a headphone jack on this side. 
You didn't know that? Oh, no, I saw, these, I saw these two ports on Thursday, but I didn't see that little hole there. But you had a headphone jack on your previous computer, so you would have known that it was there. Yeah, but this computer's new. It's different. <laughs> I haven't had a great discovery. That's awesome. This is wonderful. Wonderful news. All that time I operated this one side of the computer. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I, I know how challenging things are with change with you. I like change. So. That's not true. That, that, with now computers. You're starting, now you're starting Computers. Lying. Change in computers. I don't mind changing computers as long as they do it right. <laughs> Get out of here. You're saying, why, why is he mentioning all that? I'm, there's a point in this message today that I'm going to bring this back up, okay? Um, it's an amazing sometimes how we can go through our life, and we can go through moments of our life as if there is no other side to an equation, as if there is no other side to anything. Um, how many know that you sometimes can be looking at something uh, that you don't realize there is another side to it, there's another possibility, if you will. And I'm going to talk about that in the course of this message. Now, it's kind of funny because, you know, I was got a text from Bonnie Williams. She's probably watching right now by live stream. And you know what's really funny? She was watching live stream this morning wondering why we were singing all the same songs as we were singing last week. Until she realized she was actually watching last week's version. <laughs> Linda Knott has her hand up. I've been there, done that. And so, Bonnie, if you're watching, I hope you're seeing this week's message um, and still not watching last week's message. And then you know what she did? You know, it's, it's like history keeps repeating itself. Some things never change. She blamed Ron. She said, it's Ronald's fault. I have it in black and white, you know. Adam and Eve sinned, and Adam says, the woman that you gave me, Eve says, the serpent uh, did this. Boy, we don't like to take the blame, do we? I have a message I preached a number of years ago that I'm going to speak from today, but it's not going to be the same because the Lord spoke something to me this morning, or at least showed me something that really caught my um, eye, and we may end up stopping right at that point in the message and spending some time on it because this is, uh, this is just... How many of you are just like, man, this has been one crazy ride this year? You know, just, like, just a crazy ride. Then, you know, the election and COVID and the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs and the, you know, the shutdowns and the restrictions. And how many, we all have an opinion, don't we? Don't you just wish you knew what the exact truth was so you could have an accurate opinion? Right? Because, man, I'm saying, well, if you're, if, you're, if you're like me, you're like, just what is the truth, though? We have a version of it maybe sometimes, but we don't necessarily know the whole thing. But that's not really where I'm going to focus on. I'm going to speak to you from a passage of Scripture very familiar to me. I've spoken from it many times. And um, it's John 21. And you can turn there if you want to. And uh, this is the story of Peter. After his failure, if you will, when he denied he knew Jesus, when he denied him three times, Jesus gets crucified. It's amazing. He goes back fishing what is that, George, from Jerusalem to the Sea of Galilee, 100 miles? About 100 miles he goes. And it always it struck me when I was in Israel that Jesus sought him out from Jerusalem. He went to the Sea of Galilee to find this man who had said, I'm going, I'm finished, I'm done. I'm going back fishing, all right? And so that, that's what happened. And so I called this several years ago the God of the aftermath. How many of you have ever had an aftermath in your life? 
where there have been things that have happened, where it could be calamity, it could be trial, it could be all kinds of stuff. Uh, it could be your own failure, it could be your own stuff that you've had an aftermath. Well, Peter had an aftermath, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And it means the consequences or the after effects of a significant unpleasant event. Anybody ever had an unpleasant event? <laughs> 2020. Okay. Right. And, and, you know, we've all had them. It could be relational. It could be a job thing. It, it could be a number. It could be your own failure. How many of you have ever, how many of you have ever had to suffer the consequences or the after effects of your own decisions, of your own choices, that you've had to do that? And so this was Peter. He's dealing with the aftermath. He's guilt-ridden. You know that. Um, and he goes, I'm going fishing. All right. So Simon said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're also coming with you. They went out and got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. What do you do in times of uncertainty, right? You always go back to what you know the best. When you are facing times of uncertainty, when you face uncertainty, you will resort to what you know best. Because let me know what you know best is a comfort zone for you. What you know best is what you've been able to figure out in life, how to navigate, how to get through, how to navigate situations, how to deal with circumstances. And you go back to that because you have an operating uh, um, um, motif, if you will. You have a, uh, that way that you operate in life, right? I can pretty much tell you after 36 years of marriage how my wife is going to deal with a particular situation. How many of you can do the same? Okay, none of you. Praise God. All right, okay. Like, I can pretty much tell you, because, see, in, know, in knowing that saves me a lot of heartache that I would produce. <laughs> can I get an amen? Like, because, you know, I, like, even this week, we were looking for some furniture for something, and we're looking for some furniture, and I had went through this place, and, and I thought, well, I could get that one. Okay. I'm, like, all excited. So we go, and but how many know, men, you don't buy it without her over there? If you do, you will be dealing with the aftermath. <laughs> and so, so we go to this place, and I kind of go back through the stuff. She just looks, and she keeps walking. I'm like, I'm not even mentioning much, because I'm thinking, oh, she didn't like that one. Because <laughs> how many know the temptation is, hey, this is the one, right? And then you get into a big fight in the furniture store. And we keep walking. I'm just going to tell you, she didn't like one thing that I looked at. Not one. I really don't think I have that bad a taste. It's just that we got different taste. Completely. But what happens in your life is you know when there are things that happen, there's times of uncertainty, the times of trial, the times of what, you're going to go back to what you know best. All right, let me say something to you. You're going to go through this whole era that you go through. And some of you, you're going to go through it, and you're going to get into your word, and you're going to pray, and you're going to feed your spirit, and you're going to get a word, and the words become like medicine unto your soul. And others of you aren't even going to look at the word. Others aren't even going to look at it. You're not even going to get a word from God. Right? You see, you're going to do what you always do, what you do best. In these times, in times of uncertainty, you may return to what you've always done, right? And this is what Peter does. Peter, for three years, has walked with Jesus. And for three years, he has walked with this man. He's seen the miracles. He has come to love him. He denied him. And he's falling. What do I do now? What do I do now? 
I'm going back to what I've always done. I'm going back to what I know how to manage. I'm going back to everything. I'm going, I'm going back. I quit. How many of you ever just wanted to quit? I just quit. I want to go back. And he goes back, and he starts to fish again. And he fishes all stinking nights. And he doesn't catch a thing. That's a bad night of fishing. See, here's the thing. All night, what do you think about this? The futility of it. The restlessness of the mind. What's going through his mind. Right? Let me give you a scripture. And this is all night. Here's the deal. But weeping may last for the night, but how many of the shout of joy comes in the morning? For Peter, joy was on the horizon. For Peter, joy was coming in the morning. For Peter, there was a dark night of the soul. For Peter, there was this moment of anguish and anxiety and, and, and all this moment of uncertainty and all this moment of guilt and all this stuff. And I'm telling you what, some of you know what it is to have that consume you for a season, to consume you for the night. But the Bible is true. A shout of joy comes in the morning. But why is it and how is it that a shout of joy comes in the morning? Joy comes in the morning because Jesus came in the morning. A hundred miles Jesus went to find him. I want you to see something. So he gets there. He's on a mission. And his mission is, I'm going to find Peter. And I'm going to deal with him. And I'm going to restore him. Because I'm not letting him die in the aftermath of his junk. Listen to me this morning. If you don't hear anything else this morning, God is not willing to allow you to die in your junk. God is not willing to allow you to die in your failure. If you die in your failure, it will be because you will not receive his healing. He is not willing. He does not desire it. And he's willing to do whatever it takes. You see, joy came in the morning because Jesus came in the morning. Joy came in the morning because Jesus came in the morning. So Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish to eat? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find the fish. Hmm. There was something that struck me. This, this week, I had this computer, and I went, oh, moron, there's two ports over there. <laughs> okay, not bad enough. This morning... I look at my computer to plug it in on this side at my desk because that's the first time I was at my desk in my office so I can plug it in on the, this side. And when I went to plug it in this side, what's that hole? Oh, yeah, there's headphone jacks there too. <laughs> listen, listen, I just laugh at me, okay? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, another revelation today. And then it's, I'm telling you, it struck me, and the Lord was speaking to me and said, I want you to talk a little bit today about the other side. The fact of the matter is, if I, if I only live from the one side of this computer the rest of my life, I will never know what's on the other side. And there's times in our life where we're only looking from one perspective when Jesus says there's another side. And I want to take you to another side. I want you to see another side. I got something for you on the other side, right? Okay, so... What's that? So now here they are. They're fishing all night. They don't catch a thing. Jesus shows up. He knows they didn't catch anything. Is this getting fish? No. Throw your net on the right side. What is, Jesus came in the morning. 
Joy came in the morning because Jesus came with a word. How many need a word from God? How many need a word from God? You, listen to me this morning. I want to tell you something. This week, you don't need a word from Pastor Jim. Oh, God, I can preach the word to you. And you don't need a word from CNN or Fox this week. And you don't need a word from Facebook. And you don't need a word from Instagram. And you don't need a word from your husband or your wife or anybody. You need a word from God. You need a word from Jesus. And if you get a word from Jesus this week, it'll set your course. You see, the problem, listen to me. I'm not minimizing anything we're going through. But what I am telling you, what I am telling you, is in the midst of what we're going through, he still speaks. He still talks. And he came and he showed up. And when he came and he showed up, he came with what? A directive word. A directed word from Jesus produced a harvest of fish for Peter. Listen to me this morning. I had need a directive word from God. How many of you need a directive word from God? How many of you have been toiling and fishing from one side of the boat? How many of you have been operating from one side of the computer? How many of you can only see one perspective? But I need a word, a direction, a directive word from God that allows me to see and to realize that which I'm not seeing and that which I'm not realizing because I'm only looking at it from one perspective. <laughs> Eight months. I've been working from one side of this computer. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really relish telling you this, right? I mean, it just goes to tell you, show you what kind of goofball I can be sometimes. But you have to understand, you're talking to a guy that's, that's generally doing 14 things at one time. Wondering why, when I went to Home Depot yesterday here in Altoona, and I went to pay for something, then I got my wallet out, going to grab my debit card, I'm going to throw it in that machine, but it's not there. Oh, this is nothing new. You got many of you would panic. Many of you would panic. This is familiar ground to me. <laughs> okay. Like, oh, oh man, where's my debit card? I had it. Oh. Hello? Hey, Lacey. This is at Shanksville. Did I leave my credit card there? Yep. Okay. I'll send Penny and Tony in for it. Thanks. Goodbye. Listen, if you look closely outside here, you will see on that door right there by TJ, on the door handle, there is now one of those real estate lock boxes. Mm-hmm. That has the code that you undo and you get the key out. There's one there and there's one on the building at right. You see, because I bought those one day, because you have to understand, I have two sets of keys to write and I have two sets of keys to this building here. And this one particular morning, I couldn't find any of them. <laughs> not one. You see, not one of them. So I said, oh, I'm so frustrated. So I went, to the, I went to Lowe's. I bought lock boxes. I put one on there. There's two keys in there for this building. There's two keys over there, over there for that building. Now when I want to get in, and I don't forget my, and I know what you're thinking, Lazinski, and don't even say it. Okay, you're saying the same, you're thinking the same thing that Teresa, Karen, and Kathy, all they did was make fun of me. Oh, yeah, that's going to work really good until the first time you use the keys and you don't put them back in the lockbox. Job had his friends, I got them. You know what I do? I fix them. I've used it twice now. That's right. And when I put the key back, I take a video. 
and I send it to them. <laughs> Proof. You see, I got to understand, like this, and so, so this, I tell you, I've been doing this, this is like, okay, like there's parts of me that are really good, there's parts of me that are just like, oh my gosh, right? But the problem is, I have missed the benefit of the other side for eight months. And I'm telling you something, without a directive word from God, you are missing the benefit of what is on the other side of the situation. And so Jesus comes, and he just doesn't come, he comes with a directive word from God that would produce a harvest. He fished all night. And I don't know, maybe he fished both sides, I don't know. That's not what's important. But what's important is he caught nothing. A season of futility, a season of emptiness, a season of nothing. Until Jesus came in the morning with a word. Do you know God still speaks in the morning with a word? Do you know the Bible tells you many places where God speaks in the morning? See, I want you to understand this. Jesus has a directive word for you. He's got a directive, even in this hour. You might be watching this by live stream. You might be here. And you might be a business owner. You might be a teacher. You might be, I, I don't know who you are or what you're doing. Your parents, I'm telling you today, it's not easy. It's not always going to be fun. But I'm telling you, the God that you serve and the God that you know and the God who loves you has a directive word for you. He has a directive word that will take you beyond your limitations. He has a directive word that will take you beyond your own eyesight. He will, has a directive word that will take you beyond your own vision. He has a directive word that will take you beyond your own skill set. Peter knew how to fish. He knew how to throw a net in. And sometimes what we know is our own worst enemy. Because I knew that the stuff's on the left side of the computer. <laughs> right? Isn't it what we know that sometimes keeps us from what we don't know? The directive word of Jesus will produce a harvest in your life. The directive word, it may be something, listen to me, it may be something that you have already tried. It may be something you have tried and tried and tried. Have you ever done something in God that you did at the wrong time, but when you did it in the right time, it produced a fruit? There are times, listen to me, I'm saying to you this morning, if you will open your ear and you will listen, there is a directive word from God coming to you. It may be something you've never tried. I have been praying. I, I tell you, I, I feel frustrated sometimes because my prayer has been, Lord, how do we help businesses and how do we help people and how do we help families through this hour? What are the things that we need to do that we've never done? What is the directive word? And I can't tell you I've gotten a lot of things, <laughs> all right? Even, even the Christmas Eve service, I'm trying to figure out how we can do one that is actually so different and we can be such a blessing somewhere, somehow to somebody. It may be something you've never seen before, right? You see, when you are Peter in the boat, you have a view that's just right around you, don't you? How many know we have that old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees, right? When you're in the heat of it, when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to see, isn't it? And sometimes, you know, I'm going to tell you, can I tell you a quick golf story? Man, you know, Merle, you heard this before. I, I, okay, 
like, I'm, I'm a decent golfer, okay? I'm about an eight handicap, okay? And, and so I'm, I'm fairly decent. I, I go out, and I, I golf early in the year. I was golfing, okay? And I went out one day, Merle, I shot 78. That's a pretty good score. That's six over par. I was happy, all right? I went out that Monday to pray, play nine holes by myself in the evening, and I get on number one, and I, I hit a drive down the left side of the fairway. Okay, I'm good. I'm 140 yards out. I'm going to hit a nine iron in there. And I hit the nine iron, and I shanked it dead right across the park path. Whoa, what was that? And I hit another one, and I shanked it dead right across the cart path. And I did it two more times. I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't shanked the ball in years. Okay, I finally get that mess done. I go up to number two, it's a par three. I get up there, I get my six iron, I hit it, shanked that sucker dead right. Across the cart path, Joe, over in the field. I hit a second one, shanked that sucker dead right. Like, what's going on? Oh, thank Jesus, the storm came. It thundered, it lightning, and I was out of there. I stopped at the range on the way home. And I stopped at the range just to talk to the guy that I know, and it stopped raining. I'm, I'm going to hit some. I hit a bucket of balls. I hit 30 dead right. I have no idea. I took, the, I took the coach, I took the, the guy there, come out and see what I'm doing wrong. I had Eric stand behind me at the house. I'm hitting foam golf balls, and we couldn't tell. I, I could not tell what was going on. Everything felt perfect. Everything felt right. And then people tell me this, Merle. This is what people say to so me, people. Well, you know, they say the shank is the closest thing to a perfect swing. I don't care. The ball went dead right. And, at, and to this day, I still haven't figured out what I was doing wrong. And I couldn't get people to even see it. But sometimes we need somebody to give us a perspective that we can't see. Because you can't see what's going on when you're doing it. Right? You see, God has the ability and has a way of coming in and revealing to you what you've never seen before. Where he'll put his finger on something. And it's a directive word that gives direction to your life. Because what happens is the word from Jesus comes from a view from above. I've heard some people teach that they believe Jesus was standing upon these rocks over in that area where they could see the lake and see where the skulls of fish were. I don't know if that's true or not. What I do know is the creator knows where the created is. <laughs> the creator knows where the created is. And let me say this to you. He even knows where you are. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, Mentally, the creator knows where the created is. And he has a view from above that will give you a different perspective from your view from below. Here's what's cool about the directive word from Jesus. The directive word that comes from Jesus, it provides provision. How many like when he provides provision? But it also, it produces provision from him and a revelation of him. They throw that net onto the right side. Miraculous catch of fish. Peter says, what? It's the Lord. It's the, I know who that is. I know whose handiwork this is. I know whose fingerprints these are. I know who this are. Listen to me sometimes. Sometimes we need to go through a season so that God can speak a directive word so we can get a fresh revelation of who he is. Without a directive word from God, sometimes we don't have a revelation of God. I don't know about you, but I need a fresh revelation. 
I need sometimes a fresh revelation of God. You see, your side has produced nothing. Your side has produced anything. Your side has been a side of futility for a season. You know, your side might have been a season of emptiness. It might have been based upon your perception, based upon your knowledge, based upon your experience, right? Because how many know our own success is our own enemy? How many know the success we have sometimes in what we do is our own enemy? Peter was a seasoned, skilled fisherman. Your side was based upon your skill. The other side, the right side, is based upon his viewpoint. The other side is based upon his knowledge. It produces a harvest and it brings a revelation. It might be things you haven't tried yet. It might be something you already tried. I'm just saying to you, there's another side to whatever you're facing. There's another side to your situation. There's another side to the situation. Uh, there's another side to the pancake, amen? Teresa always says, no matter how flat they are, every pancake has two sides. She's got more West Virginia-isms than you can even imagine. It's like two dead batteries can't jump a car. I'll teach you to pick on me and my lock locks. The catch on the other side is to bring you provision, but to bring you revelation. And listen to me. Not only was it a revelation to Peter, it was a revelation to everybody around Peter. How many of you would like to have a directive word from God that brings a revelation of your Jesus to others? Make no mistake about it. We're going through some stuff, ain't we? It'll mess with people's psyche. It's messing with people's emotions. It's messing with people's mental states. It's messing with people. Make no mistake about it. But you, believer, you, child of God, you, the one, the redeemed, you have one who wants to give you a directive word. You have one who will give you a directive word as you navigate through these uncertain times. You think about this for Peter. He is at a point in life where he is going back to everything he's ever known. Everything he's done for the last three years has just been turned upside down through one moment of faithlessness, one moment of weakness, one moment of denying his Lord and his Savior. One moment. It's all over. That's not what Jesus does. Man, you got to love God. Right? Because here's the deal. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus. Come on, man. Come on. Who began this work in Jesus or in Peter? Who began the work in Peter? It wasn't Peter. Who began the work? It wasn't anybody except for Jesus. And listen to me. And Peter, he comes off the rails for a moment. But you got to love this Savior who says, nah, I ain't done. I started this good work in you. Yeah, you became a little marred in my hand. And yeah, you became a little messed up. But I'm here to put this back together. I'm here. And I, got, I brought a word of direction for you. And I'm here to restore you, to heal you. Right? Because how many know Peter was done with Peter? Have you ever been done with yourself? Yeah. If you only would hear me sometimes as I'm looking for my keys or my debit card 
or my shoes or my wallet. <laughs> if I could just redeem the time I have spent looking for lost things, I would be a lot younger. <laughs> and then, how, many, how many of you could even relate a little bit with me on some of this? Okay. And don't you just love this? My wife. <laughs> well, why don't you just put them in the same place every time? Because if I did that, I wouldn't be walking around here looking for them all the time. That's exactly the point. My mind doesn't work like your mind. Yes, I know. You come in. Click, click. That's not me. I'm going ding, 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 ding. I, I, I'm just a hot mess. Now, I can do 17 things at a time. Trust me. We go, we go into COVID. We're making changes constantly, aren't we, Karen? We're making plans. We're making changes, and I'm energized. <laughs> yeah, baby, let's go. Right? She, I'm triage center. She's the outpatient center. Everything is scheduled, planned, predictable, and I'm triage. Come on, baby, let's go. Right? You, you see, listen to me. I, I'm just saying to you this morning that when we find ourselves, when we're done with ourselves, and I'm done with myself sometimes in those moments, and I have literally said, you're just a moron. Which, God bless you, my daughter says, Daddy, you are not a moron. <laughs> yes. Why I love her. You see, Peter was done with Peter, but listen to me. Peter may have been done with Peter, but Jesus wasn't done with him. And you may be done with yourself, but he's not done with you. He's not done with you. He's not done with you. There's not a thing you can do that'll make him be done with you. It may change some things, but he ain't done with you. You may be done with you, but Jesus isn't done with you. You see, Jesus died on the cross so you wouldn't die in your sin. He didn't die on the cross to leave you in your failure. He didn't do that. He, he, didn't, he didn't die on the cross to give you a one and done. Now again, he didn't give us a license to sin either. Okay? But here he comes to his friend with a directive word from God in the morning that gives him a provision and revelation from Jesus. You see, the miraculous catch was the work of supernatural God, right? Well, what did Peter find when he got on the shore? When he got on the shore, he found the fire and fish and bread. Jesus was making breakfast. How many of you like it when somebody makes breakfast for you? It's a really wonderful thing when you live with your grandchildren and you're with them and your daughter is making breakfast for them, and they're getting blueberry pancakes, so you get blueberry pancakes. Yes. <laughs> the fire, the fish, and the bread was the work of a faithful friend. Jesus says, catch the fish over there. Put your net over there. And they got a miraculous catch of fish. But when they came on shore... Jesus, the friend of sinner. Jesus, the one who said, I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friend. Had a fire going and had fish baking. And he had bread because he was the faithful friend. <laughs> it's funny how we see him 
as the angry, judgmental God, which he is a God of judgment. We're never going to take that away from him. Because if he's not a God of judgment, then God of grace means nothing. But sometimes we forget that he is our friend. Come on, Troy. Wow. Don't worry, I don't need you this time. I got the computer figured out. This word aftermath means new grass growing after mowing or harvest. It's a, a second growth crop. How I many you cut your grass and, like gives you, and you have to do it again and again and again and again, right? It's, the, it's after the, it's, it, it has this agricultural meaning to it. You see, Peter went through this sifting season. And the sifting season said it was over. But Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, the first and the second. The first and the second. You see, it was that sifting season that Jesus told Peter he was going to go through. That Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Right? And that sifting season said it's over. But Jesus says, nah, I'm the Lord of the second harvest. I'm the Lord of the first harvest. I'm the Lord of the new grass. I'm the Lord of the old grass. I'm the Lord of the new grass. How many know he's Lord over all? I don't know why the Lord took me to this message this week. And I don't know why he tweaked it. I think I know why he tweaked it. And I think I know why. Is this morning he just, I mean, I'm just telling you. You know, you know I, I look at this thing and I said, oh, Lord. Oh, yeah, wow. There's a headphone jack there. Hmm. Yeah, you're an idiot. Eight months, moron. What do you think it was, a black dot? It's like, it's a computer. I look at the screen. I look at the power on this side. But when I saw that, I'm telling you what the Spirit of the Lord did. I was like, oh, Lord, this is the second time this week. This is the second time this week that this computer has made me feel stupid. But I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me. He said, tell them to look at the other side. Tell them to look at the other side. Okay, Lord. And I remember this story in the scripture. It's okay, we'll go this way. You see, because here's what I believe this morning. I believe this morning there are people that need both components of this message. That there is a component of this message that some of you are right now, this day, dealing with the aftermath of your, con- of your stuff. You're dealing with the consequences of decisions and things that you've done. And the first thing I'm going to say to you is own it. It's hard for Jesus to deal with what you won't own. Own it. But I want to say to you, you might be done with you, and you might feel that it's all done and it's all over. I'm going to promise you something. He's not done with you. He's not done with you. He's the one who began a good work in you. He's the one that created you. He's the one that formed you. He's the one that knit you together in your mother's womb. He's the one that called you. He is the one that saved you. He is the one that redeemed you. How dare you say he's done with you? He's not done with you. He's not done with you. Peter, do you love me? Listen to me. There was only one question Jesus had for him. Same question three times, basically. But there was only one question. He didn't say, Peter, do you got your stuff all together? Peter, do you got your theology exactly right? Peter, 
I want to know one thing, Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I love you. Do you love him? Do you love him? That's all he wants to know. Do you love him? Yeah, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep, Peter. You're not done. Get up. Walk again. Do you love me? Yeah. Take care of my lamb. Okay. By the word of God, I tell you, he's not done with you. The only thing he wants to know is, do you love him? It's funny, he asked a question that is parallel to the greatest commandment. To love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. <laughs> the foundation of your relationship with God is your love for God. The foundation of the redemptive work that he wants to do is love. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Good. I'm not done with you. This is what I'm going to do. And by the way, Peter, I'd like to tell you this is going to go and end well. Oh, it's going to end well. <laughs> it ain't going to be end the way you want it to end. Ouch. Like, like how many of you would rather heard Jesus say, now, Peter, this is what's going to happen. Okay, you're going to go out, you're going to preach, thousands are going to get saved, thousands are going to get saved, it's going to go great, and then you're going to retire, you're going to sit at the house, the grandkids are going to come around, and you're going to have a happy old man life. That's the story I'd like to have had. Peter, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, man. When you were young, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted. But when you're old, someone else is going to dress you, you're going to go where you don't want to go. Hmm. That meant the death that he was going to die. Hmm. Funny, isn't it? But I'm telling you what, I think of this story so often. How Peter must have felt. Well, first of all, I mean, <laughs> typical human nature. Oh, what about him? What about him? I mean, I want to know what's going to happen to him. He said, don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. Put your eyes on this right here. We know the story. Peter was crucified upside down. That's what legend tells us. We know he was killed. We know he died and he was martyred. But the day he was martyred, I think with all of my heart, Peter said, yes, I did it. I did it. Hmm? So some of you need to hear that part of it. And some of you, you need to hear to get your eyes on a directive word from God. That God wants to speak. That Jesus wants to come. And I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to prophesy to you now that if you open your ear this week, God is going to give you a directive word from God in the morning. In the morning, he's going to give you a word. Somebody's going to wake up telling you right now. Somebody's going to wake up with a directive word of God. Now, in my life, morning's the 1201. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Is that not who our God is? Is that not what our God does? There's another side to this thing. There's a blessing on the other side somewhere. There's a blessing and it comes from a directive word from God. 
So Father, help us this morning. Help us this morning. You still speak. You speak through your word when we read it. You speak through your word when we hear it. You speak through the spirit of God that dwells within us. You speak through circumstances, situations. But you speak. And your word of direction brings provision. Your word of direction brings revelation. It brings a harvest. It brings a blessing. And Father, I pray this week that as we go through all the junk that we've been going through this whole year, our eyes are not on this stuff. Our eyes are not on this junk. Our eyes are not on a governor. Our eyes are not on a president. Our eyes are on you. Our ears are on you. May we say, speak, for your servant is listening. Young boy Samuel goes into that temple. He's probably about 12 years old. He hears from God. Eli tells him to go back in and say, speak. Your servant is listening. And I say to you this morning, it's time that we would say, speak. For your servant is listening. Oh, God, send a word in the morning. David penned a song. How long are you going to forget me, Lord? How long are you going to let my enemies triumph for me? How long am I going to be a laughing stock? Lord, send word in the morning. close with this story. I haven't told this story forever. I had a man come to our church. That was 1999. That was a long time ago when I first started. I remember Pastor Joe and I don't, he won't mind me telling this story because we've told it. And he had some difficulties. The situation was out of ministry and we started coming to our church. And I'll never forget and the Lord put it upon my heart that we were to see this man restored. I can understand. I'm a, I'm a 36, 7-year-old pastor with no experience, and he's a seasoned veteran orator. And, uh, but anyhow, we would go and do lunch, and I started to befriend him, and we became friends over time. And it was 2000, in the year 2000. It was, in April, it was in actually March. And I called him up one morning. I said, hey, man, let's go for lunch. And so I met him over at Hosses at 1130. And we're sitting there and talking a little bit, so forth, got our stuff. I said, hey, man, I want you to preach. I want you to preach April 9th. I want you to preach in our church April 9th. And he just looked at me. He said, you want me to preach in your pulpit? I said, hey, my pulpit. It's God's pulpit. And then, he, and then I said to him, April 9th. And, and he looked at his watch. And he started to cry. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. He said, last night, because you have to understand, at that point, he had been working as a security guard down at the Tyrone Hospital, or the high, Tyrone High School at night. And he said, I cried out to God all night. He said, I cried out to God. He said, I just said, God, I need a word in the morning of your unfailing love. Lord, I need a word in the morning of your unfailing love. From the Psalms. He said, I'll go up in the morning and I was expecting a word from God. And I'll go to the mailbox. Maybe there'll be a word in there. Nothing but bills. <laughs> and then this and this and this. Nothing. And then, then you called. So let's go for lunch. He said, and I'll be honest with you. I said, no, great. i got to go listen to him talk about how great church life is. And so we went. He said, and then you asked me to preach on April 9th. 
and it was 11.59, and it's technically still morning. Come on, man, that's our God. That's our God. That's our God. He's got a word for you in the morning. Your faithful friend has a word for you in the morning. Your Redeemer has a word for you. The one who began a good work for you. He's got a word for you in the morning of his unfailing love. So we say today, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your, for your friend is listening. Father, help us this week. You are the God of the aftermath. And we've been dealing with a lot of stuff. Some of it's not our own creation. Some of it is the creation of others and the decisions of others. Some of it's life. Some of it's the stuff we've been facing. But one thing for certain, you do not change. And so, Lord, may you meet each of us where we are in this message. It's about multifaceted message here. Meet the fallen. Encourage them who are dealing with an aftermath. Speak to all of us with a word of direction. That brings provision and revelation. This week, I pray a word in the morning. 